You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. All right, we have the most encouraging church. Do you agree? Everybody is so awesome. Every time, every Sunday, I leave here feeling like I've won the lottery. Everybody's always loving on me, and I appreciate that very much. Because you never know what people are going through in their own life. Amen? And I want to encourage you this morning, before I even start into uh, the sermon, I want to... um, I want to just challenge you to begin to to look at things a little bit differently. This has nothing to do with my message, but during worship, God just began to deal, to deal with me on this, to just challenge you to to change the perspective of the way that you're of the of your thinking in the situation that you're in. Now, you can take two things, and again, I, this is completely free. It's not even in here, right? <laughs> but you can take two if two of the exact same things that look the same on the outside. For example, I was sharing this with someone earlier uh, this week. If you take something and you plant it, and then you take something and you bury it, it looks exactly the same on the outside, but something totally different is happening on the inside. It's the end for one thing that you're burying, but hallelujah, it's just the beginning for the other thing that you've planted right? It's the beginning of life and the end of life look exactly the same. So don't get discouraged in the situations that you're facing today and be encouraged that Jesus is life. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five, we're going to go verses one through 13. Miss Jessica, thank you so much. Mark chapter 5 for the third time. Thank you, Dr. Holler. (laughs) Mark chapter 5 verse 1 says, And then they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarnians. And when he, had, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains." Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked and asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always day and night, or night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. We're going to stop there. I know I said verse 13, but we're going to stop at 8. Father, I thank you, Lord, under the next few minutes in your word. I thank you, God, that revelation and knowledge of Christ Jesus would pour out upon your people. God, that have come with a spirit of expectation today. God, I thank you, Lord, that even after I shut my mouth and we go home for the day, that the words will ring true in their ears and in their minds, and it will cause a shift in their life. Lord, that they would begin to understand this 
this particular uh, situation or this particular scripture better than what they ever have before by your knowledge, God. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our life and all that you do for us personally in Jesus' name. Amen. Now think about this man. Here is a man that is going through some stuff, right? He's demon possessed. He isolated himself from the world around him. He's always, the Bible says, not just, not just sometimes, but he's always crying day and night. He is going through some stuff, so much so that he cuts himself with stones, what the Bible says. He's always crying. He's demon possessed. He, he has isolated himself because nobody wants to deal with him. They can't even chain him up. Think about this man that the Bible says that is so violent that nobody can control him, right? No person could control this man. He was breaking the chains. But think about this. The man that was so powerful and violent on the outside was the same man that was so depressed and dead on the inside to the fact that he made his dwelling among the tombs, the cemetery. He was so powerful on the, ins- I mean, on the outside, but so dead on the inside. So much so that he lived among the dead. He was an alive man living among the dead. I I had never seen that before, but I kept thinking, what is tombs? What is tombs? We don't call it tombs. We call it graves or cemeteries. But that's where he was. He was in the cemetery. He was so dead. He was crying and depressed day and night. He's making a statement with his dwelling situation. Have you ever felt like on the outside everything looked good and wonderful, but on the inside it was turmoil and chaos? Have you ever felt like everybody around you did not have a clue what was happening and what you were really going through, right? Have you ever felt like this man that seemed so strong on the outside, but so dead on the inside. He was making a statement, this man, he was making a statement with his life. He's saying, there's too much going on in my life and there seems to be no way out. My life has hit rock bottom and there seems to be no way out. I don't know what you're facing today, but I came this morning to tell you that help is on the way. Come on, I don't know what caused it in your life, but I'm here to tell you this morning that it's never too late to change. I don't know how long you've been facing what you're facing in your life, but I'm here to tell you you don't have to leave here like you came in today. We have got a deliverer on our side. But a lot of times we seem to think that there is no way out. Now I remember, <laughs> I remember whenever I first got into the faith walk, right? And not, not here. This, this is where I really got into the faith walk under the Holler ministry, but I had dabbled in a couple of other churches and I had always it was just weird because the, you know, the, the people would just say, oh, Casey, you just need to worship God and praise God when that job comes in. 
right? Or, or when that victory happens, you need to worship God and you need to thank him, right? And, and, or when, when the, the unexpected check comes in the mail, you need to worship God and you need to thank him. And I remember always thinking, I'm not a dummy. <laughs> I know what to do when it happens. I need to know what to do in the meantime. <laughs> I know any dummy knows that you thank him when it happens. <laughs> but I'm lost until then. <laughs> I'm lost. I feel like there's no way out. I feel like times have come up against me and I don't have an answer. I'm going to help some people today. I'm not going to keep you long. We're going to pray for you too at the end of the service. I'm not going to keep you long, but I do, I do want to get some of this into you. But I remember being there, so I know what you're facing, and I'm still facing today at some points in my life. You, you get to a point where you can kind of maybe see that it could be okay, but you're in it right now. <laughs> what do you do now? The first thing is we cannot give up. That's the very first thing that you want to do, but you can't give up. You've got to fight back. Tell two people, fight back. <laughs> there will be times to fight as a Christian, but I want to remind you of something today. The devil is sneaky because, listen to this, there will be times that you need to fight back, but we can't forget who we're fighting. When you come into the kingdom, a lot of times people say, oh, it's going to be a bed of roses, baloney. You got to fight back sometimes. You can't just sit back and let people trample on you because the Bible says we, there has to be a time to fight because the Bible would not have felt it necessary to remind us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and wicked places. It would not have been necessary to remind us who we're fighting. Now, don't look around you, but the enemy can look sometimes like you're kids and the enemy can look sometimes like your boss and the enemy can look sometimes like your spouse oh Jesus straight ahead guys straight ahead don't don't look nowhere but the enemy can look sometimes like those in the flesh but we wrestle not against the flesh those people are oblivious that they are being used by the enemy. It doesn't make them bad people. It just means that the same enemy that's attacking them is the same enemy that's attacking you. They're going through the same thing, the same process. Don't forget who you're fighting. Sometimes we think that the people who have hurt us or caused pain in our life are the same people that are against us. But like I said, that doesn't make them bad people. You've got to remember who you're fighting. They are under the same attack that you are. 
The same enemy attacking them is the same one that's attacking you. We've got to stop giving credit to our friends and our family for the chaos that the enemy is causing. Come on, one step further, we've got to stop giving credit to our spouses and getting angry with them for the havoc that the enemy is creating in our marriages. We're on the same team. Recognize the real accuser. We've got to recognize the real accuser, the real accuser of the brethren, the Bible calls it. The enemy comes at you strong because he's in for the kill. He's like a bulldog that goes for the jugular. And a lot of times it looks like those that you love. (laughs) But you've got to recognize the real accuser and you've got to fight back. Ephesians 6 and 10, I love this. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I brought this up in staff meeting the other day. In the, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We try to do it by ourselves, but the word of God says that we're in his power, in his might, in the Lord. He, what he's saying is he's saying, I've got you. Don't worry about it. I've got you. You don't got to fret. I've got you, Right? Don't be tripping, is what he says in 2016 terms. Hannah, is that cool enough? Okay. It's great to have a teenager. Don't be tripping. Don't get it twisted, I heard someone say in youth the other day. I was like, oh, my. That was a step too far. You're in him and the power of his might. We think that we're alone But God says, I've got you. I've got it under control. Right? Put on the whole armor of God, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may withstand all the wiles of the devil. Pastor Cheryl is teaching a series on the armor of God in children's church. And they are eating it up. They love it. The kids come home and tell me every week they get a new piece of the armor. (laughs) And then they'll go get the one from the week before. And then they'll have the belt and the breastplate. Now they got the helmet. And then this week they're going to get their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. (laughs) They are loving it. And it's awesome to teach them at a young age to put on the whole armor of God. More than one time in this chapter, it says the whole armor of God. It doesn't say just this, you'll only need it this for this part and and this for this part. All of it is necessary. The whole armor of God. In other words, the devil is going to attack with foolishness, but I got you. You're in my power, in my might, in my armor. The whole armor of God. Aren't you glad it's not the armor of Casey? Today, you've got the armor of God. (laughs) The whole armor of God. We've already discussed this, but going on into verse 12, it says, 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not against the flesh. Then it tells us, wherefore take you the whole, again, the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand every evil day that all, and having done all to stand, stand therefore some more. Having done all you can do to stand, stand therefore some more. Tamara brought this up in staff meeting too. I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, because we were, it's always kind of in sync. It's, it's unplanned, but it's always kind of in sync. And if I'm preaching, it probably has to do with, with what I'm, with what I'm going to be preaching that Sunday, which is always pretty awesome. <laughs> but having done all that you can do to stand, stand, therefore some more. What the word stand tells me is that you're still in the fight. You must be winning if you're standing because you're still in the fight. So just for me, you don't have to do this, but I'm going to read it like this. Having done all to win, win therefore some more. I'm just going to say that. That's what I'm going to say. You don't have to do that. That's not theology. That's not, that's not something to take to the bank. That's what Casey is saying because it helps me. So you can take it and use it if you want. But having done all to win, win, therefore, some more. Keep doing it. Stand. How many of you have found it difficult sometimes to Stand. But you're standing today because you're here. Must be doing something right. You're standing today because you're here. I've seen people get out of their car arguing. Let me make that one step closer to home. I've been those people that have gotten out of their car at church arguing and walked in and saying, how great is our God? Sing with me. Don't be so religious. It happened this morning and you know it. <laughs> but you're standing. You're standing. When it looks like you won't make it, I'm encouraging you today to stand. When the situation seems to say throw in the towel, I'm here to tell you to stand. When you start feeling like it may not be worth it, stand. We've got to stand. When your neighbor is getting on your nerves, stand. That's personal for me. When my neighbor is getting on my nerves, stand. As long as you're standing, you're still in the fight. Miss Jessica is putting up Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14. We're going to go through 18. We've discussed putting... On the armor, in the, in the verses previous to this, putting on the armor that you may be able to stand in the evil day, put on the armor so that you can withstand all the fiery darts of the devil, right? 
But now we're saying, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the sword, which is the word of God. Now, this is where it always got confusing to me because we're in a battle. We're in a situation. We're facing the enemy who seems to look like the loved ones that we care about so much, but we're in the middle of a battle and God is instructing us to put on the whole armor of God. You've got the breastplate, check. The shoes shod with the prep, check. The, the helmet of salvation, the belt, the, the, all the things that you need, the sword. You've got everything to go into battle and the battle says praying always with all prayer and supplication. Are you kidding? Why do I need all this? It's part of the battle. Prayer is part of the battle. I've been contacted by people within the past couple of weeks that, that they're not, it doesn't make them any less of a believer. It doesn't make them any less of a man or woman of God. But they want to they're having difficulties remembering to pray, not remembering, but just having maybe making the time or, 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 you know, you know what I'm saying? Life gets crazy and prayer is just kind of something that is not pushed a lot of times, not in this church, but in other churches. It's not, it's not really, it's not really pushed to understand the importance of it. But this says that we're putting on the armor of God, getting ready to go into battle. And then the very next line is praying always. <laughs> praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In the midst of putting on all the armor of God and all the hoopla that goes with it, I mean, you, you've got to think about it. If you're really putting on this stuff, it's heavy. It probably smells because the last guy that took it off didn't bathe like you do. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, you, that could go on with this. You could go pretty deep. You've got to put the belt just the right loop because the last guy was tw wore a size 28 and you wear a 38 in jeans. You know what I'm saying. So you've got all this stuff going on and then and you did all that to pray. <laughs> Always amazed me. This paints a picture to me of how important prayer is in the life of a believer, especially a life of a believer that's going through some stuff. Because when we pray and we keep an open communication with God about what we're going through and what we're facing, and not, put, not posting it on Facebook or social media. I'm kidding, kind of. Kind of, I'm kidding, kind of. Not really. Actually, I'm not kidding. Don't post it on. <laughs> we can't magnify it. That's exactly what we're doing. As soon as we start 
posting it on Facebook and, you know, I'm not talking about confiding in your friend and saying, help me, you know, believe with me. I'm not talking about that. Now, you, you can go too far with that and think it's holy and it ends up being gossip. But if you have that one true friend that is your accountability partner and you're saying, look, pray with me, there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm talking about is posting it on Facebook and saying, you know, my, I can't believe that I did this and this and this or social media or any kind of network where tons of people are going to see it because you're going to get over it in a day or two. And those people are going to hold your offense. That's what's going to happen. That's why I'm extremely cautious. I, I don't do that. I, I just, I don't do that. I have before, but I've come to the realization about exactly what I just told you. When we keep a communication with God, we end up blessing the Lord, oh, my soul, and forgetting not all his benefits. And then what seems to happen is the benefits so outweigh the trouble that it almost makes it non-existent. When you get into the benefits that are yours through Jesus, your mind will forget about the trouble. And if you're not giving life to it, then it doesn't exist. It doesn't have a choice but to die because there's nobody giving life to it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm saying it's the truth. Now get this. My job can have issues. I'm not saying that my job is perfect because it's not. I, there are days that I don't want to go to work. But when I have to take my daughter to the doctor and I pay a $20 copay versus a $300 or $400 doctor's visit, I seem to forget a little bit about the trouble because of the benefits that my job provides. Are you hearing me? Come on, this is real talk today. I seem to forget about the trouble whenever I only have to pay $15 for a prescription that's normally $800. When the benefits seem to be your focus, it outweighs the trouble. Begin to bless the Lord. Teach your soul, as the psalmist David did. Teach your soul to bless the Lord. David said, bless the Lord, my soul. I know what it looks like right here, but soul, you better bless him. And forget not all of his benefits. I'm going to make a stand and a choice today to forget not his benefits for me. I'm going to forget not his benefits. As believers, you better believe that we have benefits. Amen? Amen. We have benefits as believers. But we get so confused with life that we forget about them. We hold on to the things and lose sight of the benefits. We get focused on the problem and lose sight of the benefits. Life and situations sometimes are not as easy as they appear to be in the beginning, but we're not alone. 
You may be looking at me today and saying, Casey, you look good. <laughs> you must not know what I go through. I'm just kidding. You must not know what I go through. But let me tell you, I'm going to be completely candid with you this morning. We go through the exact same thing. In fact, this week, any time that I am preaching, I've discussed this with Parrish, any time that I am preaching, as soon as I start preparing my sermon, I am attacked with that, with what I'm going to be teaching you. Never fails. Never fails. It's almost as if the enemy is like, Casey, do you really believe that? Let's see how you handle it. You know? And it, it puts Romans 8.28 into good effect for me because it works out for my good because then I experience what I'm fixing to teach you about so I have a little bit more of an understanding of how to get it across to you better. God's not causing it on me, but he's making it work out for my good. He's allowing me to see the good in it. Parrish and I went through some stuff this week with some family. We're not perfect. and But what we did was we recognized the real accuser. I said, this is not, we discussed amongst each other our hurt and our pain, but we didn't go and post it on Facebook. We didn't call a meeting with the everybody around us <laughs> and you know call all of our friends and say, come in our living room. We've got something to discuss with you. Right? We recognized the real accuser. And we prayed and magnified God instead of them. Instead of the problem. We remembered all the benefits. We blessed the Lord with our soul and remembered all the benefits. And we said, too late, devil. We've come too far to give up now. And we gave it to God and said, look, you handle this because it's out of our control. We're going through some stuff, but we're recognizing the real accuser. We're forgetting not your benefits. We're blessing you. We're fighting back in the spirit. And there's reconciliation today. Today, there's reconciliation in the situation that we were facing. I'm telling you it works. I'm not telling you so that, you know, so that you can look at me and say, well, that's easy for you to say. You've never been. I have been through it as recent as four days ago. <laughs> but there's reconciliation today because we did what I'm, what I'm explaining right now. This is also free. I'm going to give you this. When something happens in your life, especially by somebody else, pray for them. Even if, even if you don't have a habit of, of a long lot of prayer in your life, make it a point to pray for them. 
Because what Parrish and I have found is when you pray for that person, I'm not talking about just pray for them to be good or better, which is what you want to do. I'm talking about pray blessings, pray favor. Angels go out and protect them. Take them to and fro under safety, right? Pray, cover them with prayer and blessings and financial prosperity and, and deliverance and wholeness in their body and health in their family. Pray for them because what you'll come to find out is that it's difficult to be mad and, and angry with somebody that you're praying for. If not for any other reason for that, it loses your anger and you end up not holding it because they are gone down the road and don't have a clue that you're still up at night. <laughs> Parish and I did these things. Now, this is my very favorite part of this whole scripture. This is what launched this whole thing because this jumped out at me. Jessica is bringing up Mark chapter 5. Jessica, you're doing so great. Thank you very much. In verse 1, it says, And they came over, Jesus and the disciples. Let me set the scene really quick. You may know, but I'm going to tell you anyway. In the previous chapter, right, Jesus is doing all of his parables and all this stuff, and he's with the disciples, and they're asking him, and he's saying, yeah, here's what I was trying to say to them, you know, get on board with me, <laughs> that thing. They get on the ship, and they're going over to the other side of the sea. And then a strange storm, a, a big, massive storm just shows up in the middle of the sea. And Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat and then and you know everybody's freaking out and panicking like what you know and they run down there how can you be sleeping there's a big storm we're all gonna die you know and that's whenever he gets up and rebukes them says oh you have little faith all that good stuff and then we get to this part so they made it through the storm obviously the deliverer was in the boat so they made it through and they get to Mark chapter 5, and it says, And they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. I don't, Gadarenes, thank you for that. And when he, Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately, say immediately, immediately, there met him out of the tombs, out of a cemetery, a man with an unclean spirit. Immediately, that word jumped out to me, immediately. Put yourself in this situation for just a second. Immediately, there met him a man with an unclean spirit who had made his dwellings among the tomb. This man who earlier we discussed about making a statement with his life, living among the dead in the cemetery, making a statement, my life must be over. There's too much turmoil happening right now. I've got all this junk going on on the inside of me. I must be, I might as well be dead. I'm going to take my dwelling and put it in the midst of the dead because that's what I feel on the inside, right? Immediately, when Jesus stepped over onto the land, a man who had considered himself dead recognized life in the Messiah. 
recognized that Jesus himself, life giver, was standing on the shore that he needed to get to him. So immediately, not slow, slow walk, immediately, Right as soon as Jesus stepped over, he recognized life. He said, I'm dead on the inside, but I know that life stands right there. Immediately, the Bible says, he was making a statement with his life that he was dead strong on the outside he looked like he might have had it all together because he could break the chains and he could nobody could contain him but on the inside he was really dead everybody was impressed with him the wrong way but they still were impressed with him because he could break the chains and he was violent and nobody wanted to go around and they were scared but if they knew on the inside what he was dealing with If the people around you knew on the inside what you're dealing with. You all look beautiful today on the outside, but on the inside, what is the problem? He was dead and desperate for life, and he recognized it as soon as Jesus stepped out of the boat. Come on, Jesus, the life giver the maker of my ways, the life, the way, the truth, and the... Jesus showed up. And as soon as he did, the man that was dealing with all the issues immediately went to him because he knew that that was his solution. Today, you're in an advantage. You have an advantage over this man because you don't have to wait for Jesus to show up. I believe that the enemy sent the storm in Mark chapter 4 because he knew that he was on his way to give life. I believe that, that when the storm came... It was the enemy trying to prevent life from getting to the dead. Today, we get so confused and think that we have to wait for Jesus to get to us, but the fact is, he's in us already. He's already here. You have a close connection, a bond with your Messiah, your deliverer, your savior. And the enemy tries to to create the storms to try to, because we have been conditioned that we have to wait on Jesus. So when we see the storm and the trouble come, we think that we have to go through it for some specific reason or that we're being taught by it. But the fact is we don't have to wait We don't have to go through it and wait for Jesus to get to us because he's stuck in a storm. We have an advantage, and that advantage is Jesus lives on the inside of us already. We've made a covenant, and part of our covenant and our inheritance is Jesus is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We've gotten on the inside with God 
abundance is in your DNA. The Bible says that he takes pleasure in prospering you. And if he takes pleasure in prospering you, he's not going to take pleasure in seeing you go through some stuff. If you're here this morning and, and you're, and, and I've, I've been talking and, and, and you're, you're looking at me and you're saying, I don't know how you knew that, but it was to me. You're saying, I, there's some stuff. It's just some stuff. I don't even want to say it. It's just some stuff. It. Right? Some stuff. You don't want to recognize that. I want to encourage you today, recognize the accuser, the real accuser, fight back. You're going to bless the Lord. You're going to pray, keep, in, keep a close connection with God in your prayer life. Make your soul bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. Psalms 103 and 2 says that if you're taking notes, you might write that down, go back and read it. Psalms 103 and 2. David tells his soul, you better bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. If you're here this morning and you say, Casey, I don't know what to do. I really don't. I've kind of been at my wit's end and I've never accepted Jesus. I've never said, Jesus, I need you into my life. If you're here and that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, saints praying, if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand for me. You've never accepted Jesus. Thank you for your hands. Thank you, Father. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. You're raising your hand, you're telling me, Casey, I've never accepted Jesus. There's already been some hands go up, so you're not alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody, pray with me. If, you, if you've lifted your hands... I want you to pray this prayer of faith using your faith, my words. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving me an opportunity to call you Lord. I believe that you died for me, that you were buried for me, and because you were innocent, you rose again for me. And that now I am yours for the rest of the days of my life. And I call you Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, somebody clap for joy. We had some salvations in the house this morning. Our pastor has a gift for you at the end of the service. Would you come up and just see her? She's going to give you a, a little book, a gift.
but I also wanted to give you an opportunity. If you're, if you're here this morning and, and you, you say, Casey, I heard what you said, and I believe in Jesus. He's, he is my Savior, but I've just been going through some stuff. I, 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 don't, I don't really know how to handle it, but it, there's just been some stuff. It's been some, some craziness. I want you to just stand to your feet. Say, it's, 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 it's just some stuff. Maybe some stuff with people. Maybe some stuff with finances. Maybe some stuff with your husband. Maybe some stuff with your wife. Maybe some stuff with your brother or your sister or some stuff with the bank or some stuff with anything. And you say, there's just some stuff. We're going to pray for you. You're not alone today. Take a look around. I'm standing. I'm standing. What we've got to do is come to a place to recognize the real accuser. We get confused. We've got to recognize who it really is deep. It's more than just skin deep. It's deep. We've got to recognize what, what that is, who it is. And then on top of that, you've got to fight back remembering who the accuser is. Fight back knowing that you wrestle not against the flesh and blood. It's not the people around you. And then pray. Keep an open communication with God. Pray about it. Pray for them if it's people. Blessing God and forgetting not all his benefits. <laughs>